Catching you up on the latest stories from around the Sunshine State that you should know heading into this Tuesday morning, June 14th. I'm Matthew Bell. I'm Nathaniel Wilson. And this is The Point from WUFT News. This week, I spoke with WUFT reporter Alan Halili about an aging piece of infrastructure that some Florida residents want removed. The Rodman Dam in Putnam County poses a threat to nearby homes and also wildlife in the area. Here's Alan explaining more. Essentially what the story is about is, so the Rodman Dam has been for about 50 years uh, in Palatka, Florida. It was originally a part of the Cross Florida Barge Canal project, which was um, a, a, a 60s era project to bring, you know, a canal from east to west through Florida for trade and, and other various reasons. This idea dates back to the conquistadors. And the dam was just one small part of it when the production and construction was just kind of starting. And this project was eventually stopped by environmentalists like Marjorie Harris Carr, who um, I consider to be a trailblazer in learning about her for this project. You know, she laud- was lauded as just this kind of housewife figure from Micanopy. Um, she was local. She had this huge power that she was able to use through her husband, um, who was, I believe, a professor at UF at the time. And she was able to uh, drum up enough support to um, present it to President Nixon at the time in the 60s and halt the project because the environmental impacts would have been immense. And, you know, we're still seeing that today. What are some of the problems that the dam causes? You know, there's these environmental impacts. You know, we, I kind of went into it in the story, but I think the most striking thing is, is these, we, we love our beautiful natural springs in Florida, and there's 20 of them that are completely flooded by the dam. And one of the, the, the most striking images that you can really think of, uh, every couple of years, they kind of, they reduce artificially the level of water at the dam. They call it a drawdown. And you're kind of able to see what's lingering below the surface. Um, you know, all of these, these fish and just branches and all of this, all of the springs that have been flooded over. Um, it's kind of almost been described as a graveyard for all of these, this just env- immense environmental impact that it's having on the ecosystem. Um, they're, they're, it's really, I think, about the human impact, like I was saying, about the environmental impact. And another part of it, too, there's other parts of the project. For example, the Buckman Lock, which is along the St. John's River, actually went on the water with a couple of activists who um, kind of wanted to show it with t- to me in person. And the Buckman Lock, um, you know, a lock is kind of um, another one of those passageways that would have allowed ships to go through. But um, it's, it's locked most of the time. And, you know, like a manatee or an alligator doesn't really have the uh, the vernacular to be able to understand when it's going to be open and when it's not. And it's really disrupting the migration patterns of a lot of fish, um, things like gators, uh, manatees too. Um, you know, I saw one when I was on the water. So there's really just a, a lot that's, that's, that's been lost and could really be restored if there would be some action on the part of uh, Governor Ron DeSantis or some of these local legislators that Um, have kind of ignored this issue and pushed it off for so long. What's next for the Free the Ocklawaha River Coalition? 
I mean, the legislative session is over. I know in speaking with Margaret Spontak, the chair and, and different people in their organization, it seems like what's next is just continuing to ramp up these education efforts. You know, they do a lot of, of different things like outreach in these communities to kind of educate people on what's, what's going on. So I think a lot of, of the, the grassroots organizing in, in these small towns like Wallaka and Satsuma and Crescent City that have these homes that could be affected, um, really just all of Putnam County and really the state kind of meeting with legislators and making them listen to their constituency when, you know, the amount of converts of people who maybe liked the dam once and now understand really what's going on there, making them listen to those people because it really does seem like there is the, the, the amount of people that want the dam there is diminishing. Um, and I think that is going to continue to progress throughout this upcoming year. And of course, you know, they really want this be a piece of legislation that is sponsored by some official somewhere. And I think that by getting more people on their side, as they have been doing for the past, say, 50 years, I think that is going to be the biggest step forward. That was WUFT's Alan Haleli speaking on the Rodman Dam. This story previewed the WUFT series Watershed, launching this summer to investigate statewide water quality 50 years since the Clean Water Act and Florida Water Resources Act of 1972. Now, let's catch you up on today's top headlines. The Alachua County Animal Resources and Care Shelter is overcrowded by 50 animals. According to WCJB, county officials said springtime brings a natural increase of puppies and kittens. While county officials can't stop workers and volunteers at the shelter from taking in animals, they are waiving adoption fees for the rest of the month. Attorneys who work to secure settlements following the collapse of a beachfront Florida condominium building in which 98 people died are requesting about $100 million in fees and costs, according to a new court filing. The total represents a discount of as much as $200 million compared with the amounts typically charged by lawyers in major class action lawsuits, Miami attorney Philip Frieden said in the document. According to the Associated Press, settlements also avoid court battles that could have taken years and cost even more. The money for court fees would come from those settlements, which total more than $1.02 billion, court documents show. While many Floridians are living their lives without COVID-19 precautions, the number of coronavirus cases and hospitalizations in the state are on the rise. More Florida residents are now living in what are called high-risk counties than anywhere else in the country. Jason Salemi, an epidemiologist at the University of Florida, says this news is worrisome and means people should act to protect themselves. Salemi recommends wearing a high-quality, well-fitting mask while in public indoors, especially in crowded rooms, trying to socially distance, and doing as many activities outdoors as possible. Subscribe to The Point Newsletter, which drops the latest Florida stories into your inbox every morning, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m., Visit WUFT.org for more information. For Matthew Bell, I'm Nathaniel Wilson, and you've been listening to The Point from WUFT News out of the University of Florida. Have a great Tuesday.